Welcome back to part two of our discussion on counterfeit medication. In our previous episode, we started to reveal the world of counterfeit medication. In part two, we're delving a little deeper and chat about the intersection of parenting and counterfeit medication. Stay tuned and let's embark on this journey together towards a safer, healthier tomorrow. Welcome to part two. So there is the, I know, certainly the dark web, but if you just Google and go past 30, the first 30 search results, you will get international uh, pharmacies and nobody knows if what they purport to sell is what they're selling. And so that's where I think a lot of people who are trying to purchase the medication for a physical or behavioral health need, that's where they might encounter those substances that are fake and harmful. This is shocking to me. So Google is saying, we don't know how to stop this. But Mina right in front of us is saying, well, if you just go to past the first 30 Google searches, you'll find Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Google should hire you. Thank you. They should hire you. Thank you. you, Also, if you look on Amazon, you can find certain substances that uh, really should not be something that people should be able to buy, all people. This is wild to me. I guess it's because I never thought to search on Amazon. I do a lot of searching. Well, you know, there's there's another issue that um, that w- that that plays into all this, and that is that you know we as a society here in the United States are we're a medication society. So you know, if you look on, I'm sure many people who watch TV notice the uh, number of medication advertisements. Oh my goodness! Um, oh. And, you know, one, one pill, you know, take this pill for this and that, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and now the whole Wagovi and mm-hmm. weight loss thing is blowing up. And so anyway, young people get the message early on that medicine is helpful. Mm-hmm. It helps you. And so uh, it's hard to dist- for them to distinguish between medications that are helpful and medications that are harmful. So, mm-hmm. the, so um, for folks that have young children, it's really important for them to understand that medications are, have a purpose and they are person-specific, mm. meaning that if you get a medication that's prescribed by a medical provider, that medication to is prescribed specifically for you yes. and not and, and may act differently in other people. And so we really need to get that message to the young young people mm-hmm. so that they grow up understanding that medications can be helpful but that they can also be harmful if they aren't prescribed by a trusted medical professional mm. um, and they and and if they aren't prescribed to you specifically so That's um, a good point. you know we talk a lot about perceived threat or perceived harmfulness and um, what what we have now is, low level of perceived threat with young people um, because they see medications on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. They see happy, well-adjusted people who are recovering, right, recovering from whatever illness they Mm -hmm. have. And so they figure, well, I I have a headache. I mean, a simple example, I have a headache. I might as well take some headache medication. If I'm an athlete and I have a sore, you know, I pulled a muscle, then I need a muscle relaxer. Well, I don't know if I'm going to ask my parents about going to the doctor and maybe my 
parents don't have insurance or maybe mm-hmm. it's very expensive to go to the doctor mm-hmm. so, or other medical professional. And so, uh, but I know a friend who knows a friend who can get me some kind of a flexoril or some, you know, some right. kind of muscle relaxer. And so that's sort of the sequence of events that we're trying to interrupt to help young people understand that those, those things can be harmful and, uh, and you need to only take medication from a medical provider who, who um, pre- prescribes that medication to you specifically. Yes, George. Absolutely right. And so another thing to be mindful of is that social media drug dealers target youth and they market certain medications that are more likely to be of interest to young people and teens, early 20s. So those would be pain pills, anti-anxiety pills, stimulants to help with studying uh, or do better in, in your personal or professional work. So those are deliberately targeted towards young adults. Um, and that's intentionally done with the intent of mm-hmm. making more money. Right. Well, we know that from the opioid settlement. You oh, know. what's the opioid settlement? Well, the several, uh, well, to date, several distributors of opioids have entered into an agreement where they are providing several billion dollars in compensation to states because of the damage that their advertising or their distribution has done to their commu- to the communities within those states. Um, so, so just just to be clear, that was billions with a with a B, with a not B, millions, just right? Billions. Now, okay. and to to bring it closer to home, Chatham County is part of that settlement. And uh, we estimate that we will get, on average, about 180 between 175 and $180,000 a year for 18 years to address opioid addiction mm-hmm. in our county. That's just Chatham County. Right. Um, so, uh, and that came out of the opioid settlement. It was similar for some, some of listeners may remember the tobacco master settlement mm. when it was found that tobacco companies uh, intentionally lied to the public about the dangers of tobacco use, especially uh, uh, combustible tobacco or cigarettes, smoking tobacco. Um, and and so this is a similar uh, a similar uh, system where the money is going to flow year to year, and it's to address, in this case, opioid addiction. Yep. So I'm going to translate that. It sounds like the tobacco companies and the pharmaceutical companies don't have our best interest in heart. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Surprising, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, th- this is being targeted to our teens, like Mina had mentioned. Um, and so it sounds like there, it's a, it's a, it's a. Some of these medications are specifically being spoofed because we know that it's supply and demand. The teens are mm-hmm. requesting them. So, so is there any like trends on what's being spoofed? You, you tapped into that a little bit ago. Yeah, I would say the stimulants that help people study, help them perform better in school or work, um, anti-anxiety. There's a just one of many stories where a young man in college last year, he had an interview set up and he was very anxious. So he said, I'm good to go. I'm ready, but I just need something to take the edge off. And he took what he thought was a clonopin and he died. And he he is not someone who, when you think of addiction, the images that tend to come to mind. 
and he had not used substances. This was his first time. And so that's the thing. It can happen. People can take fake medicine at any time. It can be the first time you've ever taken it. It can be the 15th time, long-standing addiction, or brand new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are there, you know, this seems so in innocuous. It seems so easy to hide, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, are there any red flags? Like if if you could tell people, look out for this or, you know, your children watch out for this. I mean, it is aside from what George was talking about is don't take medication that's not prescribed. Mm -hmm. Is there anything we can do? Well, I I think that one one of the things we'll look for are the typical signs of drug use. So, you know, secretive behavior, um, unusual contacts with friends, late night contacts with friends, uh, unusual texts or other phone, um, internet activity. Um, I would I would look for changes in attitude, changes in behavior, changes in grades, change you know all the things that we typically associate with drug use, um, and then certainly the more obvious things like unknown pills or mm-hmm. um, pills that young people are carrying that they normally wouldn't or shouldn't carry. So uh, sometimes yeah. we as parents um, uh, we, we ignore the obvious. And so um, I think just looking and knowing your child, knowing your child's friends, knowing your child's friends' parents, um, knowing what they're doing online especially, which is becoming increasingly more difficult, mm-hmm. um, it, and, uh, you know, having passwords, uh, you know, especially if the, you're paying for the phone or you're paying for the internet, then you mm. have, then you should have access to anything that goes on there. Uh, the, my yeah. opinion, raising two girls sure. in Chatham County, uh, so uh, it's it's uh, it's it's difficult because a lot of times youngsters fly under the radar mm-hmm. and we don't know a lot about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the more a parent or a caretaker. Uh, can know what their child or their charge is doing, I think the better off that uh, they'll be in. They'll be in a better position to be able to address something if it comes up. I wanted to ask about what you mentioned before, like certain emojis or words or that kids are using for parents to look out for. Just think about it. Yeah, because when they go to look at the phone, I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know. Yeah. It looks very innocuous and very innocent. So a few things... Um, very much agree with what George said. I would say, look at your child's browser history, be on their, be familiar with their social uh, media usage, monitor their deliveries. So just because something is coming and they usually get DoorDash or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that's food or a item that is not hurtful. The other thing I would say is that we, I think many people now equate cocaine or heroin or whatever with being unsafe. But as George was mentioning, we think that pills are safe. And so I don't think youth realize that as much. I think they perhaps think, oh, well, this meth is unsafe, but this is this is a pill from a doctor somewhere. So 
And so I would encourage people to tell kids that they're in both types of substances. So Emily has been on this podcast journey with me over the past year-ish now. Um, And every time we talk to someone, and this makes total sense, that piece of know your kids' friends, know your kids' friends comes up over and over again. And that's something I think that's simple, but complicated at the same time, because, you know, that's maybe embarrassing for teens that, you know, I want to call your friend's mom to see what they're you know, what's the plans for this evening. Um, but that keeps coming up over and over. Emily's the parent of a, of a younger child. Ten-year-old. Yeah. Yes. And what, what are your thoughts on that? As George has been through the parenting process and you're going to go through this, this period now, what are your, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I, she's 10 years old, but I always am in contact with the parents of her friends. Um, but then we also live in a neighborhood. So even just thinking about yesterday evening, she was playing with her the friends that she normally plays with. But then they ran home. So can we cross the big road to go to another mm. kid's house? Mm. Right. And I was on the phone and I was like, I'm on the phone. Mm. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a very involved parent. And obviously sure. I do care. <laughs> and, um, and so she was running over to a friend's house that I don't that she doesn't normally play with every day. Mm-hmm. So it's just noteworthy, like being in a neighborhood that they're that kids are and going to school, they're gonna be exposed to kids mm-hmm. that they um that we aren't necessarily aware of. So kind of like what you're saying, Rob, this comes up every time, not only knowing what your kids are doing, but having trying to have regular conversations with your kids about what their days are like, who they are friends with at school, who they spend time with. Um, so that and I I think that yeah. leads back to what George was saying is that, you know, if you have these conversations with, with your kids regularly, you know what to expect. So if anything, mm-hmm. you know, there's a new mm-hmm. friend in the group, mm-hmm. well, who is this new friend in the group? Right. Yeah. I see you're wearing mm-hmm. a new t-shirt. Well, I didn't buy that for you. Where did that t-shirt come from? What's that on the front of the t-shirt? You know, you can start seeing these things yeah. that are not, yeah. not. Mm-hmm. You're getting a lot atypical. of deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of Amazon <laughs> deliveries. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the DEA has actually put out a social media drug trafficking threat overview where they just go through all the different emojis and what they mean. So I would encourage you to go to DEA.gov because they just list it all out. Oh, we got to get that. Yeah, we can put that on the Yeah. With, with nice pictures. Very, yeah, yeah they're vivid. Pictures. And they yeah. also will show comparisons of legitimate medication versus fake. And I could not tell a difference at all. And they were blown up so because they were being shown as an example. They looked exactly alike. Um, so so it sounds like so the, the one of the messages that we need to get out there is this perception of harm around medication, which I, I'm guilty of too. You know, if it's a, it's you know, it's medication, it's it's supposed to help us. So how do we change that perception? Is it just constant messaging or how do we get that out there to parents? What would be the best way for us? Well, I, I think I think it is constant message, messaging. The uh, you know, sort of like commercials. You know, you have to see a commercial six or seven times b- before it actually sticks in your head, and then once it sticks in your head, it's you know, it's there kind of forever. Um, so I think consistent messaging. Uh, um, I I think having conversations with your young person about what they see in the media, what they see. Um, uh, especially portrayals of, in in our case for this podcast, prescription medication, and uh, and the dangers involved not only 
that they might contain a deadly substance, but just in general, um, young people who take somebody else's medication are at risk for lots of things. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why, I don't know if your listeners know the medication policy in Chatham County Schools, but um, that students are not allowed to have any medication, not Mm -hmm. even over-the-counter medications, because we all know about aspirin causing Rye syndrome in some young people. Um, But I I might have a headache, and I might go to my friend and say, do you have anything for a headache? And they say, oh, yeah, I have this, you know, whatever, pain, you know, headache medication. And I might unknowingly be allergic to that medication, and that can cause problems too. So it's, it's, it's not only messages about uh, the dangerous, we're, we're talking specifically about fentanyl, but, um, but even if it doesn't contain that, mm-hmm. it may contain something else that, that, right. that's dangerous. So um, I think uh, consistency and, uh, and long-term, so just because you get the message out when they're, I don't know, 10, for example, doesn't mean they don't need it when they're 11 or 12, mm-hmm. and they're certainly going to need it when they're 14, 15, or 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, when you were talking about talking to parents and how embarrassing it is, yeah, my, my children will tell you in a heartbeat. You know, so my children are, um, let's say, 1990, 34 and, uh, and 31 now, and they have children of their own. And they will tell you right away how embarrassing it was. But what we usually do is, did was we would call and say, you know, I heard my daughter's coming over to your house for a party, a sleepover, a hangout, whatever. Um, do you need? Does she need to bring anything? Can we bring? Can, and then that makes it a little bit different. Then are you going to be there? Are you going to watch them like hawks? Mm. You realize young people will take any opportunity to do things that they shouldn't do. You know all that kind of stuff that we worry about. So. Um, so anyway, and you have to be consistent because it's it's a lot of work, you know. And it, you call somebody you don't know and and uh, and say, uh, you know, my daughter's in my case, my daughter's coming over to your house. Everything okay there? Um, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a creepy phone call, um, but it's a really mm-hmm. important phone yeah. call. And we've made a lot of friends that way. Uh, not necessarily of our children, but <laughs> but, of, but, but of but uh, but of their friends' parents. We we and to this day still have a lot of relationships with those folks. Okay, so I think we're going to wind this wind this up. We're about out of time. Um, Mina, any last thoughts? Oh well, thank you so much. I enjoyed this very much, and I enjoyed listening. This reminded me of a previous podcast that you all did. Parenting is inconvenient. Yes, with so, Renita Fox. Ding ding ding. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say that there are a lot of reasons why people use different substances. Some to get high. Some because they're simply trying to survive and they need medication. But unfortunately, unless you have received that pill yourself from a trusted adult or like a parent who purchased it from a legitimate pharmacy, you just don't know that it's safe. You don't know that it has what it's supposed to have, but you you also don't know if it's safe. So just being mindful of those things, um, ChathamDrugFree.com has some very good resources. Dot org. Dot org. Chatham okay, you know what? That was and that was a test. Chatham org. I just wanted to see if um George caught that. And he did. So chathamdrugfree.org. Um and just kind of staying abreast of the 
substance use, behavioral health trends. So I know some of us are 80s babies. And I remember that ad, The Faces of Meth. It was very vivid. I still remember it to this This is day. your brain on drugs? Or that one with the guy in the white minivan that's like, hey kid, Which want some white, drugs? I don't know the white minivan. And that's a wrap for our discussion on counterfeit medication. A special thanks to George and Mina for joining us today. And even bigger thanks to you, the listener. Want more information about substance use prevention in Chatham County? Check out Chatham Drug Free on Facebook or www.chathamdrugfree.org. By staying informed, we can together create a healthier Chatham. Join us for more episodes in the near future. We are your hosts, Rob Schooley and Emily Long, signing off, and away we go.